Hello and welcome to the High Performance Hive podcast. I'm your host, Harmony Jade. The High Performance Hive is your go-to podcast for powerhouse businesswomen who want to squeeze more juice out of life, upgrade their mindset and cultivate a hustle-free lifestyle, all whilst creating an aspirational dream business with ease and flow. I'm a huge fan of community and I would love to connect with you. So screenshot the episode and tag us at Harmony double underscore Jade on Instagram with what you loved about this episode. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the High Performance Hive podcast. I am your host, Harmony Jade, and I am also the founder of Harmony Jade High Performance Coaching and Immersive Retreats. Today, it is our first episode and I could not be more excited to be here. This has been something that has been on my mind for such a long time and I cannot wait to share with you so many ideas, my story and help you become the best, most optimized high performance version of yourself where you get to have an epic life as well as an awesome, awesome, successful business. So, I'm very much excited to share my story with you today and let's get started. Hello. So I just want to introduce myself. First and foremost, I'm Harmony. My middle name is Jade. Often a lot of people call me Jade on social media and they don't actually realize that my name is Harmony. (laughs) So all since I was a kid and growing up, Lots of people have always um, questioned whether or not that is my real name. I still even get that on dating apps and things as well, where guys don't believe that's actually my name. I like to keep things interesting by sometimes replying that that is my stripper name or, you know, other random things just to keep people on their toes, guys especially. If you're a single woman and you're listening, I'm sure that you hear me and you understand. Anyway, so who am I? I am... I guess you could say a bit of a beach babe. I absolutely love the beach. It is my favorite thing to do. It is by far my happy place. And over the last 10 years, I've actually lived near the beach pretty much wherever I am. So now I just don't believe I can be without it. I love being around it. I love the energy. I love the smell of it. I love the feeling of being near the ocean and the sounds. So yeah, yeah, I guess you could call me a beach babe. I also am a business nerd. (laughs) So By that, I mean that I got into business quite young and I'm going to get into that today, but I have just always loved it. I love customer service. I love customer facing businesses. So actually my background is retail and yeah, I love everything that is customer facing and interacting with people, but I also love yoga. So I didn't always love yoga and I'm going to tell you about that today and how I found yoga but I am also a little bit of a yoga nerd and I love yogic philosophy, but I also love the physical practice as well and teaching people how it helped me change my life and how it can help you with yours too. So I'm actually also one of four children in my family. I'm the second eldest, so I am the middle child. (laughs) Although my sister will tell you that she has more of the middle child syndrome than I do, but just the way it is. I have an older brother. I have a younger sister and a younger brother as well. And yeah, we actually all have interesting names, which is a little bit of a fun fact for you. And my parents' names are Joanna Bruce. (laughs) So could not be more Australian, more Ocker if we tried. But yeah, grew up in a family home with a large family in Melbourne. 
So I'm originally from Melbourne and I now live in Perth and I'm going to tell you how I got here shortly. But I guess you could say we grew up in a very humble family. We didn't grow up with lots of money. My dad worked his absolute butt off to keep us clothed and fed. And yeah, I'm super grateful for my upbringing. We had so much fun and we never felt like we actually went without at all, which is super cool. And I think that that also has created, I guess, my life and the reason I am the way I am. So yeah, I'm going to tell you a bit more about that as the podcast unfolds in some of my solo episodes as well. But today I really want to share with you a bit about my career background and how I wound up with burnout that ultimately became the deciding point for me to leave my career and actually travel the whole of Australia solo. So I guess I'm going to start at the point of my previous career. (laughs) So I actually went to uni straight after school and I actually studied to be a designer. So I really wanted to be in design. I was studying clothing production and visual merchandising at RMIT. And I was traveling like an hour and a half each day on the train from the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne to North Melbourne to go to uni. And I was getting high distinctions in pretty much every single subject. But I hated sitting in a classroom. I just hated it. Absolutely hated it. And so at the end of the first year, I decided that I would look into what job opportunities were around in the business I was already working at. And I'd started in retail when I was 14 and nine months. And I did my school work experience with Suzanne and I just could not wait to work. I loved it. And I think that kind of comes from, I guess, growing up, we didn't have a lot of money to go around when there's four of us kids. So I just loved making my own money. It kind of gave me this freedom and I could get what I wanted. I didn't have to ask my parents. So I guess that's where that kind of came from. Anyway, I started working for Suzanne after I finished my work experience and I looked for opportunities whilst I was at uni to go full-time and a position came up as a part-time assistant manager at one of the stores and I thought, I'm just going to apply for it. And I wasn't really thinking that at this point I was going to get it, but I thought I'm going to apply for it and give it a shot anyway. So... I got the job. This is the first real interview that I ever went for. And I got the job straight away. And I lived nowhere near the store of where I was going to be working. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved fashion. I loved dressing people. I loved merchandising. I loved all of it. For me, this was such a glamorous job. And Suzanne had been at the time one of those aspiring brands for me as a child that now, we never had brand name clothes or anything like that. My mom often made our own clothes. And so this was just like, for me, the dream job. I just loved it, like loved it. So long story short, I actually worked for Suzanne for 11 years and was probably one of the youngest people to get long surface leave with them. And so that kind of took me to about 23 years old. And I had just bought my first house. So I was earning at the time, I thought it was such a lot of money and I was just so excited. I had been in a long-term relationship and this person kept saying, I'm going to commit. We're going to get a house together. You know, we're talking about whether or not we would be engaged. And I'm talking like we were high school sweethearts. We've been together for 10 years and just nothing was happening. And I just thought, you know what? 
fuck this, I am going to get my own place. So I actually decided to buy my first house and I still remember this conversation. I came home from work and I remember he said to me, how was your day? And I was like, yeah, it was amazing. I bought a house today. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I I bought a house today. (laughs) And even still thinking about it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, that was such a huge thing to do on my own. And I shit you not, I was earning $43,000 a year. Like now I look at it, if someone offered me $43,000 a year, I would think, nah, there's just no way. But at the time I wasn't earning much money and I still saved for a house. Now this was a brand new unit. So that got me into the market and I continued on in this career. Eventually I left Suzanne, went and worked for Cotton On. I was really successful at Cotton On, left Cotton On, worked for Adair. So I've worked for a lot of household Australian brand names that have got a, I guess, a heritage kind of background here in Australia. And I absolutely loved it. I was very successful at what I did. So I had this innate ability to create high-performance teams and I did that by being hands-on and working on the shop floor with the teams, observing, giving feedback. Like I was really, really focused on being a leader who led from the front and wasn't just a dictator and wasn't just someone who was going to be sitting in an office, pushing papers around or punching numbers in the laptop. That just was not my style. So it kind of evolved from there. I moved around a few different companies And then eventually I got headhunted in a large South African company who were wanting to open stores in Australia. And this was a real kind of turning point for me. So I had been finding that throughout some of the businesses I worked at, the culture was becoming toxic. People were getting money hungry. We'd been through the GFC that was a bit of a pressure cooker. And to be honest, the perfect storm for exhaustion. So People around me were suffering from really bad illnesses. Poor mental health was on the rise and I was seeing that all around me. A lot of depressed area managers and state managers and no one was really doing anything about me. And I don't even think actually HR departments even existed in these businesses at the time. So there was just no one providing that kind of support for them. And it started affecting me too. So I was noticing at the top end of these businesses, they were starting to treat people differently and it didn't seem to matter how much money you were making. And I'm talking that in one of the roles that I was in, they've never broken the record of my sales record for how many months against budget I was succeeding. And no one really ever asked me what I was doing to succeed. People were just kind of, you know, getting jealous, getting bitchy about it, all of those sorts of things. And it was really starting to take its toll on me. So when this opportunity came up to work for this South African retailer and head up piloting their stores into Australia, I guess I just couldn't wait to get out there and work autonomously. I knew that this was going to be a role where I would have to work 100% independently of anyone else, that I was going to be the highest ranked person in the country and that there would be no one else on the ground unless I hired them. (laughs) And That to me was just so fucking exciting. So I did it. So I applied for the job. It was a huge process to get the job. I did several panel interviews, lots of screening, lots of late night Zooms with South Africa. And eventually I got this job. The process took about four months from memory. And then I was flown to South Africa and we started putting the wheels into motion to get these stores open into Australia. 
And it was just one of these things that, you know, I had been doing this by this point from when I was 14. So in 1999, (laughs) yes, I'm that old. In 1999 was when I started in the workforce. And this was at about 2016. So this whole time I had been working full-time in retail and anyone that's worked retail, it's a bit like hospitality. They are probably some of the hardest hands-on jobs that you've ever had to work. Very demanding by the public, by the businesses themselves. And yeah, the perfect storm for exhaustion for sure. I was finding that the longer I was in it and the more hours I was doing, I was working 14 to 16 hour days the more I was losing myself. I had become, because that's what they wanted in almost any business that I was working in, they wanted me to become just another one of them, another version of whatever was trending at the time, whatever story they wanted to tell at the time. And I was very much an independent person, but I was actually getting results by just being me. So it really was confusing for me, for them to come and say, I want you to do this, I want you to do that but I was getting results. And so I just continued these long hours. I did 20 Christmases, 20 Boxing Days, all the sales. (laughs) Black Friday was really only just starting at the end of my retail career, but it was relentless, like absolutely relentless. And the better the results I got, the more people were looking at me like, Who the fuck is this? What is going on? And even before I got to this large South African company, I had had other area managers kind of exclude me from conversations. I even had my line manager at the time exclude me from team meetings because she was threatened by what I was doing. And then also had this brand send out someone to come and assess what I was doing because I was doing things that were changing the game for the business and I was giving feedback all the time. You know, it was pretty much my job role to constantly give feedback on the business and look for ways to optimize the business and make it successful. But some of the ideas I would come up with rather than actually listen to the feedback, (laughs) they would actually just stick with what they've always done and that affected the business in a negative manner. So I just kept working longer hours, trying different things. And eventually I just started becoming someone that I didn't like very much. I noticed that I was finding it hard to get up out of bed. I was finding, and in fact, actually, I probably would even claim that I wasn't a morning person. It was like part of my identity. I'm not a morning person, you know? And I would tell people that. pretty much just survived off triple shot lattes like the whole time. And I was just becoming this person who was a little bit more aggressive, who was a little bit bitter and twisted about being in the system. A couple of times I caught myself talking to my staff not very nicely. And I guess I just started to notice that it was profoundly affecting me in a negative way. I was becoming more and more a shell of a person without any personality and I'd really lost my way. So I guess in the last couple of years of my retail career, I started looking for, you know, something to help me because I thought that I was broken. I was like, I'm not okay, but I was always the person that was there for friends, that was helping the friends that broke up in relationships. When they got sick, I was there for them. When they wanted to go and do something, I said, yes, I did things for my family. I would drive far to 
you know, go and visit people and look after them. And, you know, both my brothers got divorced and I let them move in with me. And, you know, like all the things, like I was kind of always there for other people. And so I thought, I can't tell anyone that I'm broken because if I'm broken, how will I help other people that are broken? So I kind of just kept this to myself for, let's be honest, probably a few years. And then one day I was like, I just can't do this anymore. And I took myself to a day retreat. And I remember going to this day retreat and we sat down and we're talking in this group. And I didn't know these other women. I went on my own and we're in this really fancy penthouse that she had hired and it was beautiful food. And we're sitting down. And one of the first exercises was to color in. (laughs) And I'm talking like, guys, this was a long time ago. This is not like post-COVID stuff. This is pre-COVID before, you know, coloring in mandalas in coloring books was a thing. And we sat down and we get one minute to start coloring in. And I am thinking, I paid $400 for this. And I'm fucking in my thirties, sitting on the floor in a Turak penthouse, drinking kombucha, coloring in. What a waste of time. And that's what I honestly thought. I was like, this is a fucking waste of time, a waste of money. Anyway, the day went on, we got to choose an extra activity and I had chosen to talk with a kinesiologist. I had no idea what that meant. And I went in and this person said, how can I help you? And I cried. I cried and cried and cried like a 14-year-old girl, bawled my eyes out. And I had just been treated really badly by a different guy, was no longer with my long-term relationship. And I'd just been treated really bad by a guy. I was exhausted. I was physically exhausted. I was mentally exhausted. I was emotionally exhausted. And I just cried. And I just thought, how is this person going to help me? (laughs) Anyway, that was my first ever retreat experience. We did yoga that afternoon and a yoga nidra meditation. And something shifted in me. I felt this overwhelming sense of calm and peace. And I was like, wow, I don't know what just happened. I don't know if it was all the crying or what, but I just felt different. Anyway, I get back to life. Life goes on as usual. Next minute, I am working harder than I've ever worked before. And I am man down sick. Can't get out of bed, depressed. The days that I did go to work, I don't even know how I got there. I was driving to work one day and I remember as I pulled up into this shopping center car park and pulled on the handbrake, I heard the sound of the handbrake go on and then I kind of snapped back into reality and I was like, fuck, how did I get here? Did I run any red lights? How did I get on and off the freeway? What the fuck? And I just remember like how shocking that was to me and the first time I thought, wow, I could have died. I could have killed someone, could have killed myself. This is serious. Something has to change. So not long after this, I had decided to go on a holiday and I went on a family holiday where we had always been holidaying on the East Coast, on the Sapphire Coast of New South Wales. We've been going since I was a kid. And so I went on this holiday and I was super, super anxious. Like everything was triggering me. I was scratching. I couldn't talk to people for very long. I needed a lot of time on my own. Small conversations were triggering me. I was crying a lot. 
again, I still wasn't very well. And on this trip, a friend of mine was on holidays as well. And we were down the street and we saw this little combi van. And I said to her, do you reckon I could do that? She's like, what do you mean? It's like, you know, get one of these vans and just like, fuck off. Because <laughs> I was like, I just want to get rid of all of my problems. I just want to make it all go away. I want to stop doing these long days. I want to stop feeling like shit all the time. I want to stop taking all these tablets and supplements and all of it. I want to stop doing all of these things. And I just want to fuck off and have a peaceful life. And she was like, sure, why not? So anyway, this holiday, I started looking into trailers and campers and vans and Google, 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 (laughs) and it escalated pretty quickly. And next thing you know, after my holiday, I was back in Melbourne. I put my house on the market and I had flown to Newcastle to a caravan show. And I was doing a factory visit at a caravan brand that I found that I really loved. And next minute, I had just ordered a caravan well and truly over (laughs) $80,000. And it was a custom built, pretty much a house on wheels. And I thought, fuck this, I am going to sell my house, quit my job, and I'm just going to travel around Australia on my own. And I literally thought, this is the only way out. I have to get out of my current situation and I don't do things by halves and I'm either all in or I'm all out. And I thought, I have to decide if I'm going to save myself because at this point there was broken friendships, there was broken relationships. I was hating showing up for work every day. I was struggling to get out of bed. I literally had a friend come and get me out of bed one day because I hadn't seen anyone for like three weeks at a time. I was constantly at the GP saying something or is wrong with me. And all he kept telling me to do was go for a walk around the block every day to manage my stress. And I felt like I was doing all the things. I'd been to a couple of yoga classes by this point, but I hadn't really like got into it that much. I hadn't really found a teacher that I gelled with or a venue that I liked. And yeah, so I just decided it was time. So I put my house on the market, ordered a caravan, and I started planning the next phase of my life. And it didn't involve work. I was done. I was like, nope, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to earn money. I don't know where I'm going to end up. I don't even know where I'm going to camp, but it can't stay like this. So in the months that followed, I started to put some little plans in place. I'm not actually a planner. This may come as a big shock from a high-performance coach. I'm not really a planner. I'm a doer. So I started putting a little bit of planning, like let's talk maybe an outline, not really a plan, but an outline in place around the time frame. When was I going to finish work? How much money could I save so that I was able to hit the road and I knew how much money I was going to have? Where was I going to be? Where was my first stop going to go? How was I going to keep myself safe? What car was I going to drive? Ended up having to buy a new car as well. And those sorts of things started to come together. I promise you the hardest part, which everyone always wants to know, how did you make the leap and the choice? That was the hardest part. The hardest part was deciding that enough was enough. The hardest part was deciding that I was going to choose myself because I had 
you know, at this point in time, recently had had friends saying, you don't care about us anymore. You're not showing up to, you know, to birthdays and things. And I had been going to less and less family events. I'd had to separate myself. And so people were starting to turn on me. So not my family, but friends were starting to say, you don't care about us because I had always done everything for them. I was 100% a people pleaser. So the hardest part was choosing myself because choosing myself meant that I was going to be judged, that people were going to think that I was strange, that there was something wrong, but there was no other way out than choosing myself. I thought I was going to let down the business I was working for. I thought I was going to let down my family. I thought they would be you know, really ashamed or sad if I just wasn't working. There was stigma around people that don't work. And I just knew that something had to change, that I could not do this anymore. Because if I did, there was probably not going to be a good outcome. There were days where I went to the beach and wanted to keep swimming and just didn't want to come back in. Days where I wondered if I fell down the stairs at home, how long would it be before someone found me? Days where I thought if I just have a few more wines, maybe I'll pass out. I was drinking more. I was working even longer hours. I was punishing myself by grilling myself at gym. Like all these things started to snowball and I was putting on weight. I was extremely depressed and I was thinking about an end game. And often people say to me, I don't think I'm burnt out. I don't know if I'm burnt out. How do I tell if I'm burnt out? All of these things are the signs that you're burnt out. The exhaustion, the drinking more, the choosing bad food, the broken relationships, the breakdowns of communication, the self-loathing, wishing that you just didn't have to go through it anymore. These are all the red flags. These are all the warning signs that if you don't slow down, something will slow you down and you will not like it. That can look like a nervous breakdown. That can look like losing a loved one. That can look like being in a car accident. That can look like injuring yourself. That can look like abusive habits and addictions. So these were my warning signs. These were my red flags. And it was time for change. Yes, it was hard. And it's still hard because I'm still working on it. This was in 2018. So I planned on finishing work after Christmas 2018. It got to September. My van was pretty much complete and I couldn't do it. I could not do one more Christmas. So I gave my notice and I was let go effective immediately. And the funny thing is, is that when we are going through these things and not even just be applying for leave, we think they can't survive without me. I do so much. How do they survive without me? And then you resign and they're like, fucking bye. And you were good. <laughs> like, imagine if I was shit. And they just like, yeah, no worries. Like, bye. And you're just like, fuck. This whole time, I was just a number. This whole time, I was just replaceable. And I put my blood, sweat, and tears into these businesses for over 20 years. But at the end of September 2018, it was my birthday, the 24th of September, and I picked up my caravan. It was the best goddamn present I have ever bought myself. Actually makes me emotional thinking about it. (laughs) 
This was the first time in my life I had put myself first, not my boyfriend, not my family, not my friends, not other people's businesses, not my line manager, not my team. This was the first thing I had ever done for myself. And I was so fucking proud. (laughs) And I still am. And it wasn't easy, but it was necessary to choose myself. And I've done other retreats since then, hence for my love of retreats. (laughs) And that's probably going to be another episode soon. But I hit the road without really knowing where I was going other than north and a few little dots on a map, but I had nothing booked, not one single caravan park. I didn't book a thing. But the following February, so I gave myself sort of six months to do some short trips around Melbourne. I did the Great Ocean Road, practiced towing, all of those sorts of things. And I got myself mentally fit. I got myself physically fit so that I could be the person that also could do all the things that someone does when they travel Australia on their own. So the following February was the day that I drove away. I think it was the 23rd of February, 2019. And I had a big fuck off send off party (laughs) at a campground on the Mornington Peninsula. And I drove off in my car with the caravan on by myself. And I was bawling my eyes out. (laughs) And it was not sad tears. I was sad to be saying goodbye to family because it's really close to my family and friends. But I was crying because I've never felt more proud or more alive in my whole life. I remember that there was a song about hitting the road that was the first song on my playlist. (laughs) And I remember that on my car, the mileage was just clocked 15,000 kilometers because I had a new car. And I guess that is kind of how I got to the point of being on the road on my own. But that feeling of choosing yourself, you will never forget that. And maybe you've done that already, or maybe you're just waiting for that little push or that inspiration to do it, but you can do hard shit. (laughs) You can choose you. And when you choose yourself, the rest of it falls into place. So for the next nine months or 12 months, I had intended on traveling all the way around Australia. And I did. (laughs) And I had the best fucking time. But I also had moments that were hard, like I'm talking within three weeks, I'd had my first meltdown and it was lonely. I was lonely and I was trying to work out how do you meet people without it being weird. And what I very quickly realized was there was a lot of people on the road, but they were not 35. They were all over 60. They were retirees. They were gray nomads and they were not young people. And I think there was a lot of backpackers and van lifers in actual vans, but not in caravans. And so it was a little bit isolating at first. I still was struggling every day with this anxious feeling like I should be somewhere, like I I needed to be justifying my time. I was getting up on a schedule. I was making sure that I got my fitness in every day. I was making sure that I was eating healthy. And I had got myself into this very rigid, routine. And it was because without that routine, I was lost. I didn't know what to do. Like some places had lots of sights you could see, some places had nothing. And so I still had this 
high-performing anxiety, like I was buzzing, like I needed to be somewhere and doing something to justify the fact that I wasn't working because everyone I knew worked. No one was doing this. No one in my family had done this. And so I very quickly realized I needed something else. I needed to explore something else. And so I'd kind of come back to those moments of where I had felt that peace and calm amongst the chaos in my last sort of, you know, six years. And it was at retreats. I'd been on a couple of fitness retreats with Active Escapes. I'd been on these urban retreats in Melbourne. And then I kind of started unpacking what was it in those retreats that was helping me? Why did I feel calm? Was it just because I stepped out of work or was there something else there? And so I had started practicing yoga using actually Amanda Bisk's app. I will tag her because she's amazing. (laughs) And she still works with Active Escapes owners, Ali and Zana. And I was using her Fit Body, Fit Mind app because I also was a mad gym junkie at this point. You wouldn't know it now, but I was then. And so I was doing these workouts at my campsite. And I was doing yoga every single day. And at first it was just a stretch after doing my workout. But what I noticed was, is the little meditation, that five little minutes at the end of yoga, oh, bliss. It's like the world just stopped. Like the noise stopped, the talking stopped, the chaos stopped, my thoughts stopped. And I was just finding these little moments of peace and quiet amongst chaos. And the other thing is, is that If you've never traveled solo, it can be exhausting. (laughs) So especially with the caravan, I was setting up and packing up everything on my own. I was cooking for myself all the time. Like It's very hectic, constantly thinking, how am I going to keep myself safe? Where am I going to get my next meal? How am I going to get fuel? Am I going to be safe in the van? Am I going to be safe driving the van? Can I physically look after myself if something goes wrong? It's kind of exhausting. So. Although I was on the road and living this cool little lifestyle that was very different, I needed to find some grounding, some balance, and some peace. And so this practice every day became part of my daily ritual. I'm not even kidding. I don't even think it would have been two weeks before I was noticing a profound effect. I had never had a good night's sleep, I don't think, for like 15 years until one day I just I slept through the night and I was like, fuck. You know when you don't realize that you don't actually sleep very well until you do? And then you're like, oh my God, there's another way of doing this? Like, how do you fuck up sleep? You like get in bed, lay down, close your eyes. And yet somehow that just wasn't happening for me. So yoga was really starting to change my life at this point. I wasn't scratching. My eczema was gone. I was calm. I could think clearly. I wasn't like, overwhelmed with thoughts because when I first hit the road, I still like had these to-do lists, like never-ending to-do lists like I was in the office. But I started to think, okay, I'm just going to get up and think, what do I want to do today? And some days I would get up and be like, my body feels like walking. My body feels like a workout. My body feels like sitting in my chair and reading a book. My body feels like doing yoga. My body feels like walking up a hill or going to check out a new site. And I started listening to my body. I started realizing that my body was giving me feedback and that if I didn't listen, things would go wrong. And so yoga was teaching me to listen in. It was teaching me to find those moments of peace and quiet, to listen to the feedback my body was giving me, to listen to the thoughts and 
try and unpack them a little bit more by finding moments of peace and stillness. So as I've traveled around Australia, started meeting other families, traveling families, and we sometimes all ended up in the same spot. And about six months later, we all ended up in Broome and we had this like big catch up. And some of the other ladies had noticed that I was doing yoga every morning and started to ask to join me. And so we started doing yoga together on the foreshore part at Broome Beach, up on the beautiful grass area. If you've ever been, you know what I'm talking about. It's amazing. And I found myself teaching these ladies yoga because they were like, you teach us. You've been doing this. You can teach us. And so I started doing that. And then when I got into Perth, which was December 1st, 2019, I was really anxious. I started noticing my anxiety coming back. And I think the minute that I started driving down the West Coast, mentally, I was going home. And when I say home, it was kind of like my car was driving back to Melbourne and I didn't want to go. So this anxiety hit me. And when I got into Perth, I was looking for jobs. And you know, with my experience in retail and at such a senior level, as my last role was a national manager, there wasn't anything available because there's no head offices in Perth. So I was like, what am I going to do with my life when I stop traveling? So anyway, I spent Christmas in Perth with some family that I hadn't seen in, I think it was over 20 years. And it got to February and I thought, you know what? I'd seen this ad pop up for a yoga teacher training in Bali and I clicked on it. I was like, oh my gosh, this would be amazing. Like what a great holiday, yoga, beach, like all the things. Fuck it, I'm going to do it. And as you might've noticed by now, I'm either all in or I'm all out. (laughs) So I parked up my caravan at my auntie and uncle's place. And next minute I was on a flight to Bali four days later. So I hadn't planned this in advance. It was four days later. I went to Bali, spent a month in Bali doing my yoga teacher training on the beautiful island of Nusa Lembongan, which is now holds a very, very special place in my heart. And I did my training and wow, the things that I found out about myself, like I just don't even know where to start. It's going to have to be a whole episode of its own. But the more I found out, one, about myself, but two, about the different practices of yoga, which was not just the physical, and that's really what I thought I had been practicing, was just a physical stretching, for lack of a better word, through yoga. It may be mindfulness, but what I learned was so much more than that. I had no intention of going there and becoming a teacher. I just wanted to learn more about yoga and how was this affecting me? How and what was causing this? to have such a profound effect on me. But once I learned all about it, I was like, people need to know about this. Women in business who are burning out every fucking day need to hear about this thing called yoga and I need to teach them. It is my duty and my purpose to help women stop suffering with mental health issues caused by overworking So I came back to Perth after my yoga teacher training and we hadn't had our phones on pretty much for an entire month. Now I'm not shitting you here. I'm talking one Sunday off in 28 days. It was 6.30 in the morning until 6.30, sometimes eight o'clock at night, every single day for a whole month, our training. And we'd heard this rumor about this coronavirus thing. And we were like, eh, that won't hit Australia, first world, you know, privileged things. But I got back to Perth and within 10 days, we were in lockdown. It came to Australia. The toilet paper rumors were real. By the way, now, if you think about that, how fucking dumb does that sound? People were storing toilet paper. 
like, oh my God. Anyway, don't even get me started on that. But I come back to Perth and we were in lockdown within 10 days. So I started teaching yoga to people on Facebook by about April and just helping some friends and family give them something to do while they were at home. And I was getting messages every day saying, that was amazing. I feel so calm. Thank you for making my day. And I loved it. I just fucking loved it. I loved seeing how people would turn up on Zoom in their hoodies because it was COVID (laughs) and depressed. They were turning up depressed, like really suppressed emotions, no personality, like everyone looked gray, their skin looked gray. People weren't even seeing daylight and they would do my class and then they would leave. By the end of the class, they were smiling, they had color in their face. They were bright again. They were happy to go and play with their kids at home. They were happy to get on with their work date on their laptops at home. And it was changing their lives. It was changing their day. It was giving them purpose to get up out of bed for because I was showing up to teach them yoga. I knew that at this point, this is what I was going to do. And at my yoga teacher training, I had been in this point of the fuck am I going to do when I get back to Perth? Well, I moved to Byron Bay because I actually loved Lennox Head while I was traveling. I spent a fair bit of time there and was considering moving back there. And one of my teachers said to me, stop stressing about what you're going to do next. What you're thinking about, things have a way of working themselves out and you'll be told what you're going to do. So we waste so much energy and time thinking about what if, what if, what if, do I do this? Do I do that? Whatever. But what I learned in yoga, one of the things that I learned in yoga was to surrender. And she said, just surrender, stop thinking about it and see what happens. And so when I came back to Perth and we were put in lockdown, it was decided I was staying in Perth. So that's kind of how I started my business. I have pivoted several times. (laughs) So if you've been following since day dot, since I started my Facebook page, my Facebook started first which was House of Harmony Yoga, then you will know that I've pivoted several times. I actually started making product. I actually started making slogan jumpers and t-shirts for yoga because I'm a bricks and mortar retailer and I've sold product for 20 years. So that's what I just thought I must do. But then I very, very quickly realized that actually you need a lot of capital and a lot of product and a lot of marketing investment to sell products in such a flooded market. So I thought I'm just going to keep teaching yoga. Also found out really quickly that it is physically and emotionally draining and not sustainable at all to work full-time hours as a yoga teacher. It's impossible. So that there needed to be another way. So my business has pivoted quite a lot. So now I am at this place that I'm a high-performance coach and I run immersive yoga retreats for business women. And My purpose has never been more bold and more strong than ever. I still want to help women stop burning out, stop suffering mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, chronic fatigue, like all of those sorts of things, autoimmune diseases, all the things that are caused by burnout. We are not living in a world where it is acceptable to have work life balance. We are encouraged to constantly prove ourselves and place our self-worth in our successes, in the money that we earn, in the amount of promotions that we get, in 
the amount of things that we collect in our lives and put them on our shelves in our homes. We're currently rewarded by praise for doing those things. And so we've created ourselves a culture where there isn't a choice but hustle, or we think there isn't a choice but to hustle and to prove constantly. But the problem is, is that this is not energetically sustainable. This is not mentally sustainable. This is not physically sustainable. Your body will shut down. So now through my experience of going from burnout into living a fucking bold, beautiful life where I choose every single morning what my day is going to look like, how I want to feel, I listen to the feedback my body gives me. I'm merging my experience from my former business life and what I learned through traveling, through yoga, and my life's experience into support that helps women create their best lives too. This wisdom of, you know, gurus, yogis, ancient figures, philosophers, they only get wisdom by living it themselves, by experiencing these things themselves. Coaches that have like these epic TED talks and things, they've got life experience. And it's a gift that they get to share with other people and help other people. Didn't learn everything I teach in a book. I learned it because I have lived it, because I have worked it. And I don't teach anything that I'm one, not prepared to do myself. Or two, if I don't think it works, then I won't do it. So I only teach what I know works. So I've always kind of felt like I have this wisdom beyond my years, but I guess it comes back to I started work at a really young age. I got in there, hands on, sleeves rolled up, and I was not afraid of doing the work. And that's what high performers do. They look at ways to optimize their life, to optimize anything that they do, processes, systems. You know, if you love improving systems and making things work quicker, faster, better, that's what high performers do. That's what they're all about. Why would you take the long route if you didn't have to, right? But you can only do that by trying things. You can only do that by facing your fears. You can only do that by getting out there and fucking giving stuff a go. You can only do that by saying, fuck normal, right? So if you're in a stuck place at the moment or you've been thinking about diving headfirst into something, think about what it's costing you not to take that leap. Is it your mental health that's suffering? Is it your physical health that's suffering? Is it your relationship that's suffering? You have to choose things in favor of yourself. And it is not selfish. It is necessary. Choosing yourself is step one of the path to happiness. If you don't listen to the feedback that your body is giving you and that your life is giving you, then don't be surprised when it's not working out how you want it to. Don't be disappointed in life because it's not life's fault. If you don't think you can, you're wrong. If you don't listen to that nagging feeling that something out there could be better, then you're always going to wonder, what if? I want to leave you with a couple of reflections. Don't wait for something to happen before you make a change. Go in on your own damn life. Go all in. Don't play half-assed. You get one shot at this. And when I say this, I mean life. If you make a mistake, you can fucking choose again. That's fine. (laughs) You can pivot. We can pivot in business. We can pivot in life. 
but you get one shot at life. Do you want to stay where you are or do you want to find out what is actually possible for you? What does real happiness look like for you? None of this surface level bullshit going to put on a filter. Yeah, my life is so good. But what does real happiness look like for you? If you don't think you're worthy, you're wrong. Yep, it's going to be scary. Yep, there's going to be shit that comes up that you're going to be like, oh my God, I don't know how to deal with this. But you are so damn worthy. You don't need anyone's permission. Fuck them, whoever them are or they are or whatever. Like, right? Because we constantly think, oh, they're going to judge me. Who are they anyway? Don't worry about them. Just do what you need to do to create your best life. Trust me, when you do that, everyone will be happy for you. You don't need permission. You just need to know the starting point, the what. Decide what is going to change and then make that happen. You don't even have to know the how. I hope that this has inspired you to take immediate action and to cultivate serious change in favor of yourself and your best fucking life. I would love to know what that is for you. Maybe you want to hit the road around Australia. I'm there for all the travel stories, by the way. I still love to travel. So feel free to hit me up if you need travel tips, if you're ready to take the leap, or if you need support in getting to your next step in life. But more than anything, I hope that this has inspired you to just be your best self, to listen in to your heart every single morning when you wake up and ask yourself, what actually do I want? I would love to know what your biggest takeaways are from this episode or what resonated with you the most. So please, if you haven't already, screenshot this episode and post your stories. Tag me at harmony double underscore jade and let me know what you loved the most about this episode. I hope that this has given you permission to step out of the box, find your purpose and stop burning out. (laughs) I would also love if you could kindly leave me a review. This is my first ever episode. I would love some feedback. Please give me a follow and share with your friends and family so that we can get more business women inspired as fuck to living their best lives. Until our next episode, please, please, please take care and stay tuned. Hope you are out there living your best life. Thank you.